Amen. Well, good morning. Jesus, Jesus. I don't know about y'all, has it ever happened to you? You're going along and something unexpected out of the darkness brings fear to your heart. And before you know it, you just say Jesus. The other day, um, I was just thinking about this while we were singing. Um, my neighbor called me right before dark and said, hey, you, you want to spray some Roundup? I got some Roundup. I'm fixing to pour it out. I ain't got no use for it. You want to spray? And I was being tight while well, I didn't want to buy my Roundup right before dark, running around spraying everything. I had a pair of flip-flops on, and I stepped in a hole out in the yard, and boy, I popped my ankle, and the next thing I knew, I was hollering, Jesus, out loud. Amen. Y'all ever heard something like that? You know why we do that? That's what we trust in. Deep down, you know Jesus is there for us. Amen. And I don't know about y'all, but I thank God that in the midst of what all we have in life, that there is someone named Jesus, just like we sang, that we can lean on those everlasting arms and know that it's a place where we can find peace and help and someone who will never leave us, and that's what Jesus is. We're going to look today at a very, very familiar passage. It's one that we've all heard. You've heard of the rich young ruler here. He's not shown in Mark's gospel, but we're going to look in chapter 10 of Mark's gospel, starting in verse 17. We're going to read this together. And... This young man, who we know from the other accounts was a rich young ruler, he came looking for Jesus. And he came looking for Jesus for a very specific purpose. There's no greater thing you'll ever seek God for than to be saved. Amen? Eternal life. He knew Jesus had eternal life. He knew Jesus was a representative of God. He was a good teacher. And he goes seeking out the Lord. And so as we read together here, I want us to look here and take from this passage some things about salvation. You know, today, if you're not sure you're saved, if there's any doubt, if there's not a God-given, spirit-blessed assurance that I know I belong to God, I'm saved, today is your fortunate day. You're going to hear to be able to know for sure before you leave this place how to know you're saved. And so as you look right here, the Bible says, starting in verse 17, 17, now as Jesus was going out on the road, One came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? That's a great question. There's nothing better you can come to Christ for than that. And so Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. And you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and he said to Jesus, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way and sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at his word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He was rich. And then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, and he specifically showed them why it's difficult for people with many riches to enter the kingdom of God to be saved. He said, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man 
to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? They understood what Jesus was saying is, it's not possible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's impossible. So Jesus, it says in verse 27, looked at them, and he said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Boy, I'm thankful today that even though it's impossible for me to save myself, that in Christ I can be saved. As a matter of fact, what must we do to inherit eternal life? Well, I want you to think about this. He asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus looked at him and he said, with men it's impossible. As a matter of fact, there's nothing me and you can do <laughs> to be saved. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. But thank God, with God, all things are possible that we can be saved. I want you to look at this. Jesus told this young man, no man can save himself. With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible so that any man can be saved with God. So I'm asking the question this morning, if any man can be saved, how come so few are saved? How come so many people walk outside looking in instead of on the inside looking out and are saved and in Christ? Well, I think that Jesus gives us something we need to look at today. Who then can be saved? Only those who trust God. See, the problem with this guy was that it wasn't a lack of he understood what he needed and who had it and who could tell him how to get it, but that he understood and he misplaced his trust. I want you to look what Jesus said. He comes, this young man. He was, we'd love to see him come to church. <laughs> he, he was someone who the other passages tell us in the other Gospels that he was a, a religious young ruler, a religious ruler. He was a good person. And I want you to see some things that we trust sometimes that are not what can save us because I want you to understand something. We are not saved by what we can do. There's nothing you can do that can save yourself. You can go to church every Sunday. You can try to keep the commandments. This young man said he's kept them from his youth. But nobody can save themselves by what they do because everybody, no matter what, is always going to lack that one thing that this man lacked. And what was that one thing that was keeping him from being saved? That his trust was misplaced. His trust wasn't in God. His trust was in riches. That's easy to see. But his trust wasn't only in riches, his trust was also in his ability to do good. When he came to Jesus, the first thing he said when he came to Jesus, he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus right away recognized that he's a do-gooder. <laughs> He'd been doing good his whole life. And Jesus looked at him and he says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. And then he says, you know the commandments? And the young man listens, and Jesus names them off. And this young man said, I've kept them from my youth. <laughs> and he may have, he may not, I don't know, but I'd bet it'd be hard-pressed for everybody in this room to say, you've kept them, that you've done good enough. But at the end of that, Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. And he says, give away all your riches and feed to the poor. Quit trusting them to take care of you and come now, take up your cross and follow me. Let me take care of you. Let me lead your life. Let me be your protection, your provision. 
and let me be your purpose. And this young man left sad because he had great possessions. And Jesus said and looked at him and his diagnosis was, it's difficult for someone like him who's good and who's rich to be saved because trust in, in the wrong thing. I want you to think about this. If you ever go out winning people to Jesus, there's two extremes to everybody just about you talk to, especially religious people. When you talk to someone who grew up, like this young man obviously grew up with the benefits of he had been taught the commandments, he had been raised in a Christian way, he knew the things of God, he could recognize Jesus was a man of God, that he was a teacher, that he had information that could show him how to inherit eternal life. He came seeking the Lord. He wanted eternal life. He wanted to be saved. But he thought he could be good enough. When Jesus listed it all out, he said, I've done all that. Why ain't I feel like I'm saved? And Jesus said, well, there's one thing you lack. But friends, listen, when you talk to people a lot of times and you start sharing the gospel, Brother Carl could tell you this. They're going to be one or two extremes. They usually say, well, I'm good enough. They think I'm good. I'm a good person. Man, I work. I go to church. I take care of my family. I'm honest. And then they say, and look what all God's blessed me with. Man, look what He's... I'm God. He's blessed me with a nice home and a nice family. And He's blessed me with all the things that I've worked so hard to get because I'm honest and I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not lazy and I'm a good person and God's blessed me. So certainly I can be good enough. And what they think is that my good... It's going to outweigh my bad, but it only takes one thing to lack. And you're going to come short of eternal life. And this young man was trusted in his goodness. It's obvious. That's why Jesus said, no one's good. Why do you call me good? No one's good but God. But the young man was also trusted in his blessings. He had been blessed by God. But the one thing that he was trusted more than anything, and that's why I believe Jesus called him out, was in his riches. And Jesus said how difficult it is for someone who's trusted in anything but God to be saved. And he said that's why it's so difficult for rich people, because they can trust in other things instead of God. So who are saved by trusting? We are saved by trusting God, not by what we can do. And so this young man walked away sad, the Bible says. You know, in the Bible, faith denotes trust. Faith is the trustful human response to God's self-revelation via through His words and actions. That's the Holman Bible Dictionary. I want you to think about this. We're saved by trusting in what God has promised us through His actions. He shows who He is. And by His words, He tells us what He can do. Faith is the trustful human response to who God is. And God, one of the greatest things you'll ever do is trusting to believe him enough, to follow him. This young man here, it looks like, man, that's unbelievable. He said to give away all your riches. And when he said that, and he said he walked away sad, Jesus turned and looked to all of his other followers, his other disciples. And he says, children, how hard it is for those who trust in their riches to enter the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, he said, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. That's impossible. He said, that's right. As long as they're trusting their riches more than they're trusting God. As long as they're trusting their goodness more than they're trusting God. As long as they're trusted in themselves more than they trust God, they'll stay outside from the salvation of God. 
And friends, I want you to think about this with me. Biblical faith basically is believing God enough to trust him. Faith is a firm belief in the reliability of someone or something. And to be saved, you've got to trust God and you've got to trust his promise through his gospel. The reason Jesus could tell this man this was because Jesus was going to go to the cross and die for sinners. Jesus knew he would give his life on the cross to pay the price as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's why he could say, come and follow me and you'll have treasures in heaven, eternal life. This young man, though, didn't trust Jesus enough to go with him. But you know what? That's not something he did just for this man. When Peter and them heard that, I want you to look with me in the verse right below it. They were astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at him and said, With men it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we left all and followed you. Friends, when Jesus comes to us, we have to wholeheartedly trust him. Peter and them might not have been as rich as this man, but they still left what they had. They were fishermen. When Peter and Andrew was at the seashore and Jesus said, come and follow me, they left their nets. They left their business. They went and they followed Jesus and they didn't fish anymore. When John and James was at the seashore and they was fishing with their dad, Zacchaeus, and when they seen Zacharias, I mean, he said, come and follow me. They left their dad and their family business. They left everything and they went to follow Jesus. They didn't trust that anymore. They didn't say, you know, we're going to follow you, Jesus, and we're going to keep the business just in case. Jesus said, come and follow me. When he came up to Levi sitting at a tax desk in the tax office, and he said, Levi, come and follow me. He got up and left the tax office, and he went and followed Jesus. No ever to be Levi again, he became Matthew. And friends, over and over and over, Jesus, when he calls us to follow him, in fact, the Bible says, if you take hold of the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. What's he mean? Once you grab hold of Jesus, once you trust him, you can't trust other things. You need to trust Christ for salvation. You see, you don't trust Jesus and church. You don't trust Jesus and I do the best I can. You trust all of Jesus. He's the only way to be saved. I want you to think about this verse. The Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is a simple message this morning. It's so simple, most of us are going to be bored because you're saved. But if there's one person in here tonight, this morning, that's not saved, that's still trying by works, that's still trying to do it by themselves, of themselves, and they don't realize that salvation is just waiting for them like a gift. You just got to trust God enough to pick that gift up and receive it. How do you receive that gift? By faith. Because it comes by grace. Grace is God giving you what you could never earn or deserve. It's just grace. Here it is. The only way you can receive it is to believe God enough to take it. To to choose to take that gift. See, that's why we're saved by grace. What is grace? Grace is God's provision through Calvary, through the death of Jesus. And it's the life that now can come from Christ because he was raised from the dead. And yes, Jesus died for us according to the scriptures. He was buried and then he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. And when you believe that and you trust that, you're trusting in Jesus to save you. 
And that's what we have to do. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. We don't have anything to brag about, anything that we can claim. This young man, when he found out all he had to do was trust Jesus enough to follow him, he went away sad. He didn't come with him. Peter and the rest, they went with Jesus. They followed him. You know, if you want to see if you're trusting Jesus today, are you following him? Is he leading your life? Because that's the most you can say you can do is trust Jesus. And the first step of trusting Jesus is to believe in him with the greatest gift of all, salvation, eternal life. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to get it. It all comes simply by trusting God enough to take it. I want you to look at this for a minute. Biblical faith is basically believing God enough to trust him. You know what I've come to find? That many people today in the church and many people around where they've been influenced by the church, they know enough about God. They know enough about the gospel that they believe it. They can explain it to you. It's not a lack of information that they're still saved, not saved. It's a lack of they haven't trusted what they say they believe. Because if you go walking around, everyone knows about Jesus there's not anybody around here who don't know who Jesus was. There's not many people who don't know what the gospel basic message is. But there's lots of them that are not saved, who don't have peace, who don't have assurance that they know they have inherited eternal life. I want you to think about this with me here. True faith believes God is trustworthy, that God promised us in Jesus alone we can be saved. And I want you to think about this example from the Bible. Abraham, this is what it says about his faith. He's the father of our faith, the Bible says. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. If you're going to come to Christ for salvation, you're just going to have to, like a little child, trust him. Like a little child, trust a parent. Okay, daddy, that's true. I'm going to believe it. You're going to have to believe what God says. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, and that gave glory to God. And what did that look like? This is what being strengthened in faith looks like. Being fully convinced that what God has promised, he is able to perform. Now, I don't know how to tell you anything but what I understood when I got saved. The Bible says that Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. It tells me that the Father loved me so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, on a cross that whoever will believe in him shall not die shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It tells me that God's gospel was that Jesus died for the sins of sinners, that in his blood we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And friends, that's all you are going to get. You're not going to have all the answers. You're going to have to trust it for what it is that God said in Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's no other name given under heaven and earth by which men must be saved but the name of Jesus. So it's in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, which is the gospel message. And when you're fully convinced of that enough to trust it, that you don't waver, that honors God. It brings glory to God that we trust him and believe in him. You know what the Bible says about the message of the cross? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Because we know 
that God is true. When you get to that place in life where you get finally where you say, Lord, I'm going to believe you to the point I'm going to trust you. I'm trusting you with my eternity. Lord, I'm coming with all my sin, with all my shame, with all my guilt, believing that you're going to love me and accept me and forgive me. And then you're going to come into my life and help me. At that point, it's when God comes into our life. Too many people believe all this, but you won't trust it. You won't commit to it. You have intellectual awareness of it. You can acknowledge and say, I agree with it. But if you agree with it, you still have to trust it. And I want you to see what happens. Trusting in Jesus. The Bible says in Him you also trust it. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. See, after you hear the word of God preached, and after you hear the gospel of your salvation explained, in whom also, whom being Jesus, having believed, past tense, at that moment, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's being born again. The Holy Spirit that's promised to every person who accepts Christ, who's born again, you're sealed, you're marked. And the the verse after that says, which is the guarantee of the purchased possession until the day of redemption. Friends, I don't know about y'all, when that happens, you don't walk around no more saying, I hope I'm saved. I think I'm saved. Oh, God, please. You know what? I'll say it to the day I die. You can't be dead in sin with no Holy Spirit in you. Get saved, get born again. Get saved by the Spirit, and God's Spirit comes in. You give your Spirit, and you wonder if you've been saved. When God saves you, you know it. You're different that He lives within you. And friends, it starts from trusting in Jesus. Now, you know what I think the problem is? There's a lot of people right at this place to where they've heard the word of truth. They can tell you about it. They know the gospel of salvation. But in Him, Jesus, personally, they have not trusted Him completely. As a matter of fact, they can't say, I have believed with everything i got to the point that now... I believe and trust with Him for everything. I'm following Jesus. I want you to think about this. Skydiving. What does skydiving have to do with Christianity? Parachute. What does a parachute have to do with Jesus? I think it has a lot to do with it. How many of you here know what a skydiving is? Is there anybody here that never heard of skydiving? Is there anybody here that doesn't know what skydiving is? Skydiving, if you're not sure, is being dumb enough or crazy enough. And you know what? The world looks at us because we're in Christ and we trust Jesus with our life and our eternity. The world looks at us that we're as foolish as we think of somebody who would get in a good plane, dive out into the sky, and become a skydiver. But if you're going to be a skydiver... You better have a parachute, amen? Now, how many of you know what a parachute is? Is there anybody here this morning that don't know what a parachute is? Now, my point is, it's the same with Christianity. You can't find anybody around here that don't know what Christianity is. You can't find anybody who don't know any bunch about Jesus. And we can tell you about a parachute, how it works. You strap it on. You pack it right. You get in the plane. You jump out the plane. And you pull the cord. And the chute opens, and you become a skydiver. You get to live to do it again and tell somebody else. If you know parachute, you don't make it. Now, I want you to think about this. There are people in this church who are skydivers. Did y'all know that? Justice. 
is a skydiver. And Jessica, she's in there with our kids, so pray for our kids. But you know what? When you become a skydiver, you can know all about a parachute. You can believe a parachute works. You can trust it enough to strap it on you like Justice did. You can do all the stuff like go to church, get in a plane. You can go up in the air. You can get right to the very place where you know everything, you believe everything, you know all about skydiving. I want to be a skydiver. I even believed enough I put my parachute on. I got in this plane. I went up here with these crazy other skydivers. But now, ooh, ooh, I got to jump out. I want you to look at Justice and them. This is them when they first went. This is a, cracks me up if you can see it good on the screen. But if you can see it real good when you get it up close, Justice's eyes are like, he ain't quite sure it looks like. And just, just standing there. But look at this crazy skydiver evangelist. He's like, skydiving. He's all gung-ho. That's like these crazy preachers. Jesus, you need the Lord. Oh, Jesus, come on now. Let's get saved. He's got hair. He looks like he's jumped one too many times, doesn't he? And he's not the dangerous one. The other one, if you look at his face, he's like, it's like he's sitting there thinking, I hope they wore the pins because they're fixing to wet their pants. And you know what? Because they know all about skydiving, to them, justice in them, they don't remember what that was like. You see, all of us, we know all about Christianity. We know all about Jesus. And those of us who really know the Lord knows what it's like to trust Him every day with everything and for Him to keep proving Himself that He's faithful, that you can trust Him, that you can rely on Him, that He never fails, that He is there like a parachute to, to catch you when you fall. And we all know that, but I want you to understand something. A lost person, even though he may be religious, and he may know a lot about Jesus, even though he may know so much about Christianity, he may be a church member. But if he has it, never trusted Jesus and felt what Jesus does when he takes away your guilt and your fear and your condemnation and he sets you free. When Jesus comes into your life and you no longer feel like God's watching me to condemn me, but God's watching me now to bless me, to help me because you've trusted Jesus. Guys, there's people all the time around us and sometimes even in church with us that are like justice in them before they went up in that plane. I want you to look at this. This is right before they went. They're standing there. They suited up. They're fixing to maybe become a skydiver. This one's what I like. When they're pulling off, Jessica's looking like, how did I get here? Why did I do this? You know what? <laughs> they got up in the plane from here, from what I hear, and apparently they had the faith or the trust to jump out of that plane. I asked Justice, what was it like right before you jumped out? He said, they pushed me out. <laughs> but if we can't push you out into Jesus. We can tell you about how good He is, about how He'll save you, how He'll be with you. He'll bring you down and catch you when you fall. But ultimately, you got to jump out the plane <laughs> to get saved. we got so many people who have knowledge and awareness, and a lot of Christian information, but they ain't never put their money on the line and just wholeheartedly trusted Jesus to save them. 
That's after they jumped out. They got a different look on their face. We did it. You know what? I asked Justice. I said, what do you think about skydiving? Now, Taylor, this is what he told me. He said, man, it's awesome. We're going to do it again. Me and Jessica's already signed up, and we bring in Taylor with us. Is that true? She said, she don't know. Justice said it's true. See, when you do something good and something good and cool happens to you, you won't give it away. He done went skydiving. Now he's going again. He wants to bring his girlfriend with him. Friends, you know what? It's the same way with Jesus. Man, when Jesus has been our parachute, when he's been our our comfort, our trust, and our hope, and he's been taking care of us. I don't know about you. I want to help them people that don't know what it's like. I, I kind of would like to jump out of a plane, but I'm afraid I'm too old and fat and I might have a heart attack. Amen? A parachute don't help a heart attack. But all kidding aside, this is what I want to think. Becoming a Christian is a lot like skydiving. It requires you to jump out and eventually take a leap of faith. Becoming a Christian isn't a lifelong pursuit. Becoming a Christian is a moment to where you believe Jesus enough to trust Him and say, Lord, here I am. I'm a sinner. I need help. I'm jumping out into Your grace. Here's a story I want to give you, and we're going to give an invitation. This is not a true story, but it's a parable. It's it's a true truth that you can apply to this. They say that this man fell off this cliff. And when he went over the cliff, he was scratching and hanging. He caught a vine. And he was hanging on the vine, and he could just see back up on top of the cliff where it came from. And he did everything he can. He struggled. He pulled. He climbed. He was trying with all of his effort, doing all that he could by his might and his works to get himself back up on that cliff where he knew it was safe, to where he thought he could have comfort again he knew about up there he had come from up he was trying to get back up there but the harder he tried the wore out and the more tired he got there ain't nothing that'll wear you out more than trying to be religious enough to get saved to try to go to church enough to get right to try to work hard enough to change your life in hopes that you'll one day be good enough to get salvation friends you'll never get back up on the cliff where you came from You see, you fell from up there a long time ago when you sinned. And right now we're all hanging on. And the only thing between us and hell is God. (laughs) Certain death. And that man that was kicking and hollering, he was trying. And finally he got desperate to the point he said, God help me! And he was so desperate, God answered. (laughs) You know what? When you get serious about getting saved, God will speak to you. (laughs) He'll give you what you need. He'll talk to your heart and spirit. I remember when I got to that place, God was showing me what I needed to know. And this man was hanging and he was give up. He said, I can't get back up there. God help me. And God said, I'll help you just let go of the vine. Just turn loose. And he hung and he looked down. And he looked back up there and he said, if I turn loose, I don't know if God's going to catch me. God said, I promise if you turn loose. I'll catch you. You know, that's exactly what salvation is like. Turning loose of your ability to hang on to your ability to hopefully one day climb back up and get where you wish you was, where you used to be. It's just letting go and totally trusting God. That's what salvation is. Today, God will save you if you're not sure. If you're wondering, if you're thinking, 
I'm not sure you're like that man. You're trusting in something else. Because you know what I find? When you trust Jesus, Jesus takes away your doubts. He gives you assurance. He fills you with that precious assurance to know that you're His. We're going to talk about salvation first. There's somebody maybe in this room that you've never truly given your life to Christ. For you right now to fall, to go into eternity, is a scary, fearful thing to you because you know you're not ready. Jesus right now will come if you'll trust Him and He'll save you because He died for you, because He rose from the dead. He lives today and He can save you and be here to help you. But I want you to think also about us that are saved. There's so many people in the church today that are living in life, not trusting God. You see, when you trust God, it's sometimes scary. Trusting God is going to cause you, when you follow Him, to have times when He leads you in ways that are fearful. And the same thing happened to Peter and them. Jesus, in the middle of all of this, He's teaching them, He's showing them. They're astonished. Who can be saved? And Peter says, we gave up everything to follow you. And Jesus said, assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus tells them all of that. And then he begins to lead them again. I don't know about y'all, but I might have had a second opinion on do we need to keep following Jesus? But listen, as they began to follow him, look at what it says in verse 32. This is where the saved are. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. I don't know about y'all, but when Jesus leads us, here they are, they're on the road with Jesus. Jesus is going up before them. They're going to the holy city of Jerusalem, the city of God, the most holy place in the world. And Jesus is going before them. And they were amazed. But as they followed, they were afraid. Justice, was you afraid a little bit when you went to go up there in that airplane? A little bit. (laughs) You know what? I remember when I was getting saved, I was afraid. I was wondering, you know what I was afraid of? Lord, if I follow you, I might not be able to do what you want me to do. I may fail you. Lord, I can't change. Lord, what if? But you know what the Lord says? Just follow me and trust me and I'll take care of you. Is there anybody here that would say that Jesus failed them? That Jesus has not met your need? Friends, listen, following Jesus is fearful. Coming to Christ sometimes is fearful. But guys, trust in Him is what overcomes the fear. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but today... If there's somebody here who doesn't know they're saved, it's a fearful thing for them to stand and say, I'm coming to Christ. But guys, everybody here that knows there was a day when you did it knows it's worth it, that he's trustworthy. And friends, today, this sermon is primarily for someone who's not sure, who wants to be sure. 
Well, today, according to the word of God, and according to the gospel, if you will commit and admit that you are a sinner and you're willing to repent and turn to God and you're coming to Jesus and you trust him for what only he can do, he died for your sins in your place. He rose from the grave to live, to be there to help you, to intercede. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll help you all the days of your life. If you trust him, he will always be there for you. That's what he's asking us to do. And today, I believe, just like skydiving, there ain't no skydivers in here. Justice is a (laughs) one-timer. But we know all about it. But that don't make me a skydiver. I know what a parachute is, but that don't mean I'll ever give you a skydiver. There's too many of us know a lot about Jesus, but we've never trusted him. We know all about the gospel, but we've never trusted it. Friends, today I'm asking you to do more than just say, I believe and agree with you, preacher. I'm asking you to get out of your comfort zone. Jump and take a leap of faith into Jesus and say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus, with everything I got. My life, my eternity, it's all yours. I can remember the day i done that. It was January of 1997 on Short School Road right out of a little town called Pulaski, Tennessee. I came out home from work, been going to church for about three months, battling, trying to change my life, trying to overcome addictions, trying to repair a marriage that was broken to the point that we had gotten divorced and had to remarry, trying to fix it all myself. But I kneeled down that day in my living room, and I jumped, (laughs) and I gave it all to Jesus. And Jesus has kept me all these years. He sustained me. He walks with me. I'm going to tell you something, my friend. I need a good parachute. How about you? Jesus keeps catching me. Jesus has got me. And if there's one thing I'm here to tell you, you may fail him, but he will never fail you. But you got to trust him with all your heart. This morning, if he's calling you, just listen to him. I am going to ask you to come forward. What would he want you to do? Well, once you trust him, he's going to lead you. He's going to want you to be baptized. He's going to want you to make a public expression that I've been saved by God and Jesus saved me and he's my Savior and Lord and he wants you to follow him. He's going to want you to get in the word of God and grow. He's going to want you to pray. He's going to want you to be involved in church. He's going to want to have some control of your life. That's what we're scared to give up, to trust him with. But I'm going to tell you what, the more you trust God to have control of your life, the better life you'll have. That's what Jesus offers today. Not only eternal life, but a better life until then. So we're going to stand. I'm going to pray. And there's somebody here today that needs to be saved. God's spoken to you. Just trust God. Just step up. I promise you, if you'll take that first step, he'll take the rest with you. And I'm going to ask you to publicly acknowledge today that I have accepted Christ. I've trusted him. I've believed in him. I've been trying to live for him, but today I'm going to trust him to live in me. And I'm going to ask you to do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, only you can give a person the grace, the faith, to receive that gift that you prepared so many years ago on Calvary, the gift of salvation. Lord, help us to realize today that we can't work for it, that we can't do anything to get it except trust you, that it's freely waiting for us as a gift. Lord, I pray for that person who's struggling, Lord, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they jump into Jesus 
for all of eternity to let him take care of them. Lord, if there's a sinner in need, please save them today. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. If you need to come, Jesus is waiting. He loves you.